Love Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the official Redbird Rants podcast. This is season two, episode three. I'm your host, Tito Rivera, and I am joined by my co-editor, Dr. Michael Miles. Dr. Miles, how are we doing tonight? Hey, I am doing really well. I'm excited that this, our third episode, will be the first time that you and I are flying solo. Uh, it'll be really exciting in this uh second season you know we flew solo a couple times in the first season and we always seem to run out of time because we have so much to talk about so i'm really glad to be here as your guest tonight uh, on this third episode yeah and i'm sure this will be uh, the first of many times we'll probably be flying solo on a couple of these i even tried to get josh to join me but he uh, had a final for a test to, or for a class tonight so uh, he said he did he did okay, and he passed the class, so congrats, Josh. Good job. Yeah, congrats, um, so, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so let's let's not waste any more time. Let's get right into it. Um, again, we are going to be talking about, you know, a little bit of the news that's going around the MLB. We'll also talk Cardinals baseball. But let's start with the MLB news going around the league, and that is Lance Lynn, former pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals, being in contact with the Philadelphia Phillies. Dr. Miles, what do you make of the pairing between Lance Lynn and the Phillies? You know, I think that's a really nice fit, Uh, and let me tell you why. The Phillies are, as we all know, in a rebuild and what better way to do a rebuild than to bring in someone who has postseason experience, someone who can really take the number two spot or the number one spot in a rebuilding uh, rotation and, and probably have interest in doing so for three years uh, and to see the rebuild through and also to raise their own value. So it benefits both parties. And I think that in the NL East, Lynn would have a really decent go of it. Uh, He's going to say, you know, the Nationals, and that's a tough batch to go through. Albeit, they have a new pitching coach, Derek Lilliquist, uh, who we know his success rate. Um, And then they're going to have to go through, you know, the likes of the Mets and uh, the Marlins. Uh, And so when you're looking at the rebuilds, the NL East certainly have that in the Marlins and the Phillies. And I think he's a really good fit there. You know, I'm really interested to see how he faces uh, a lot of the batters that are in the NL East because we, we, in the NL Central, don't have as many at-bats against them. Uh, And and so I think that will be of interest, but it gives him a chance to really be a top-of-the-rotation leader. What, What did you think? You know, at, at first initial glance, I'm kind of just like, whatever, <laughs> you know. I don't really think that there's much into this. Uh, and what I what I mean by that is, like, I just really don't care where he goes at this point. 
um, mainly because nothing's going to change for the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, and so I, I just, you know, I'm not really interested per se in where he ends up, more so what people continue to say about Lance Lynn and why the Cardinals didn't re-sign him. And, you know, in our own Redbird Branch chat, you know, a lot of the guys were saying, you know, like, he, you know, we had a couple guys say, no, he's no good anymore. We had a couple guys say, yeah, well, that's because of his Tommy John injury. So, you know, there's a happy medium in there, but we don't know what it is. And I think that's why the Cardinals just really didn't pull the trigger on Lanceland. They just weren't sure, how, you know, if he was going to get better or if he was going to get worse. And so what they decided to do is kind of stand pat and, and say, you know, thanks for your time here, Lanceland, but we're going to move on. And so, you know, when I hear him go, if he wants to go to the Phillies, hey, that's great doesn't have to, you know, we don't have to face him. Although, you know, if he's only pitching fastballs, I bet, you know, I might take that. But we won't have to face him as much, you know, maybe a couple times in the year, maybe even only one time in the year. So, you know, any any division but the Central I'm okay with. Um, not that I think that he would hurt that us too much. Um, but what I also found interesting is that, Another pitcher is linked to the Phillies, but has also been linked to the St. Louis Cardinals is Jake Arrieta. Now, could theoretically they both end up there? Maybe. Uh, but what did you? What do you think? What do you make of this dynamic of both Lance Lynn and Jake Arrieta being linked to the Phillies and the Cardinals? Well, correct me if I'm wrong, Tito, but. Didn't both of these pitchers receive qualifying offers from their originating yes. club? Yes. Okay. And the reason and the reason I ask that is in terms of a team like the Phillies looking at them, really they both fall into the same envelope. They're very similar pitchers. I will be you know, albeit Arietta probably had greater success in his career than did Lynn, but it's not that much greater. And as you mentioned, in our own chat group, you know, people saying that Lynn is, is done, you know, he's no good anymore, and other people saying, look, we got great stuff out of him. There probably wouldn't be anybody else in his tier that we could have gotten the, the same performance out of. What's interesting to those comments is the fact that Arietta is now grouped with him. And I guess we have to look and examine a little deeper last season's stats on Arietta with the Cubs. And I think in doing so, if we matched them head-to-head, what we would see is that they probably are very, very, very similar. So it makes a lot of sense to me to see the Phillies going after both of them. Like you, I don't think they would get both. I think that one is probably a fallback plan for the other, which is probably very much the same thing that the St. Louis Cardinals were doing in kicking both sets of tires. Now, having said that, I find it very interesting that the Cardinals, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe any person that the Cardinals picked up, now granted, that's not a whole lot of people in the offseason, but I don't believe that they picked up anyone who had received a qualifying offer. No, they did not. I don't. Okay, so they did not. So here's the deal. If someone picks up Lynn, the Cardinals get that comp pick, the in-between round mm-hmm. compensation pick. If they, however, pick up Arietta, they lose the compensation pick. 
So it's sort of like the Cardinals are, are standing on the armistice line waiting for someone to either shoot first or sign the treaty of armistice or, you know, they're just waiting. So I think the Cardinals may have outplayed themselves. They waited too long because the market was too stale, but I think they may be okay with that. You know, that, that's sort of what I read into the fact that the Phillies are looking at Arietta and Lynn. One's a fallback plan for the other. And if I had to guess, I'd guess that their number one choice would probably be Arietta. But even in saying that, there's a part of me that says, no, I think their number one choice is Lynn. If you had to pick between those two, though, Tito, which one would you pick? I, I think it's – I personally think it's a pretty obvious choice that you would go with Arietta um, just because he's had more success. Uh, he has more than just a fastball. You know, albeit Lynn does have a, a slider cutter, you know, but Arietta offers more than Lance Lynn. Now the only issue with that is just how much Arietta would cost the Cardinals. Um, you know, he, I, you know, there's no reason to suspect anything, you know, else but him receiving a five-year $125 million, right? So, you know, that's just – I think at this point we, we all realize that that's just too steep of a price. Now, I do want to go back to a comment you made about the Cardinals outplaying themselves. I, I'm not sure I uh, agree with that because I would say the Cardinals actually played it just right. Um, because they don't have to go get Arietta, so they're not giving up a pick. But Lance Lynn is going to sign somewhere. It's just for how much. They're going to get a pick. And if they breach, you know, if the contract's over $50 million, which I would assume is going to happen, you know, that will depend on, that will, you know, force the Cardinals to get a better pick or, you know, just stay kind of with a mediocre pick. But the Cardinals don't have to do anything in order to receive any, you know, to receive a pick. They just have to let Lynn go. And that's, that's where I say, yeah, they're okay with that because they realize, like as I said earlier, they don't know if he's going to be any worse or any better. So I don't say that they outplayed themselves. I think they played the market to what it is, and they just said, you know what? If nobody else is going to move, why should we? And so that's, that's where I see that. So, I, you know, it's, it's tough to say because, you know, I think we as fans – you know, want to see somebody like Arietta in the rotation because we know we would have a better chance of succeeding this year and potentially, you know, a couple of years down the road. But I'll always fall back on this and say, you know, it's crazy how we're able to look at situations like this and say that, but completely disregard long-term future for the St. Louis Cardinals. Um and that's just something to keep in mind. Now, don't get me wrong, they have a lot of money, but it's, you know, sometimes it's not about that. And they're, they're trying to play that, you know, trying to tiptoe that line pretty well. What do you think? Yeah. I, listen, I want to go to the point that you made about the Cardinals playing it just right. And I do not disagree with you. Um, my point that I was trying to make there is just simply stating if the intent was to sign one or the other, they may have outplayed themselves because of the stale market. That being right. said, I think you make really outstanding points about 
the current CBA and the fact that, you know, the current CBA has it like you pointed out to where the Cardinals just needed to offer a qualifying offer and having Lynn say no and, and go elsewhere in order to get the comp pick. And now it's a matter of the quality of the compensation pick. And the same can be said for the Cubs. You know, they offered a qualifying offer to Arietta and they're waiting out the market. Um, and I think in, in addition to all of that, that compensation pick and the loss of a pick has a great deal of team. I think that's exactly why the market is so dry. Um, by the way, I just pulled up Lance Lynn and I pulled up Jake Arietta just to do a side by side. And Lynn has six years of serve of MLB service under his belt to Arietta's eight years of MLB service. Uh, Lynn carries with him a 3.43 ERA career in those six, I'm sorry, a 3.38 in those six years. Arietta carries a 3.57 in eight years. So, I mean, those numbers alone show you who you should pick up. Um, you know, uh, Arietta received um, a lot of different things, including all-star, MVP votes, Cy Young votes, um, Silver Slugger, actually. I didn't know he had that. And Lenz only received an all-star. And that bid was back in 2012, his, his arguably one of his best seasons. Uh, although his ERA that year was not the best, his best ERA came in 2014, believe it or not. So, you know, when we look at them side by side, they, like you and I both said, they are so very similar. But I'm, I'm with you. I would, I would pick up Lynn. And, and to be honest, I don't. What was, what was the last thing you were asking me? I, 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 I forgot. I, I just wanted you. I just wanted you to comment on. You know, my point was is that, you know, I, I think we often at times as fans look at certain situations where we say, oh, well, the Cardinals can sign him for so much money. They have that. No big deal. But we forget to, or we just kind of, you know, glance at the long-term future and say, and eh, we'll put it off to the side. Uh, so what do you think, uh, what do you think of the Cardinals, you know, trying to tiptoe the line between short-term and long-term success? Yeah, and, and thanks for reminding me. that. I, you know what? I, I think we only have to look at one example to see the mentality of the front office as it currently stands. And that – well, and actually there's probably several examples that would fit into the same category. But really just look at Giancarlo Stanton. And the issue there was, do the Cardinals sign him today? Now, we know they can't right now, but back when in the offseason. Do they sign him today for – an exorbitant figure of money over an exorbitant amount of years. Well, the now mentality says you do it for now and we worry about later, later. But the front office has to sit and see a much greater detail of longitudinal view to see, well, if we take Giancarlo Stanton today and have to carry him for five years. And remember, this was the debate that we all held in the offseason that we all wrote about ad nauseum, it was that idea of you take the risk on the five years with an opt-out at the end of five, where in essence you're only paying so much, so on, so on. But the front office really can't think that way because they have to say, if we sign him, we tie up X amount of dollars over the duration of his contract. And for 
Stanton, he was looking for 10 years. So for 10 years, we tie up this money. Well, then they have to look down at the, the farm systems to see who's rising, what prospects are going to be what age when, what sort of value could they place on them based on performance today. And I think that's where you get into the fact of a front office has to think, I, I believe, in both manners. And how do we grab something of value today but not sell off seven years in the future? And we only do that by having specific front office staff whose job it is to look into the future. And then you have specific front office staff whose job it is to look the now. And I think we can look back at the history with the Cardinals to see how they debated Giancarlo Stanton to see how they did not go in on people like J.D. Martinez that we know of, because they may have, and to even look back on the years of when we picked up um, Jason Hayward and when they were willing to let him walk, as well to look back and see the offers that were made to David Price. You know, I, I agree with you, Tito. We as fans, we have such short-term memories and I think even Lance Lynn stands an example to that because our own guys in the chat group, you know, point to Lance Lynn and say he, he's good still or he's not good. And what they're talking about is an ERA that went from 3.12 when he came up in 2011 to last season at 3.43. That ain't bad. And the highest his ERA ever was was 378. And his wit has always been really respectable. Uh, and so all of those things, you know, people, we, we only remember the most recent. And that the same goes for looking forward. As fans, we become myopic and really only see the next season. Oh, the Cardinals need to win in 2018. Well, that'd be nice. And we can all say that would be nice. But we also know the reality is they need to win in 2018 and 2019 and 2020. And how do they do that with a long-range plan? And listen, let me say one more thing, and then I cannot wait to hear your thought on this. How how does the Mike how does or did the Mike Matheny extension stand in example of them thinking of the now and towards the future? Yeah, I, and I think I think they what they did was they saw the success that Mike Matheny had in the short term and said, bring that to us long term. And and that's essentially where the Cardinals find themselves now. Now, the difference is, is that they're not having that success that Mike Matheny had when, you know, two, three years ago, essentially. And so now the short term is, well, you keep losing, <laughs> you know, get out of St. Louis, essentially. And so it's almost cyclical in nature to where the to where at some point the Cardinals are probably going to go on a nice little run, maybe go back to the playoffs, you know, three straight years. Uh, does that mean they have to win it? I sh- we would sure hope so, but, you know, I think part of evaluating what Mike Matheny, you know, his contract extension is, is that I think the Cardinals front office pretty much said, here's your window, you need to do something with it, or else that's it. And it doesn't matter how many games you've won with, you know, you've won before, 
you could win 100 games one year um, and not and not you know not be successful in the playoffs. It doesn't matter. So I, I think that's it's an interesting scenario with Mike Matheny, but I personally believe you know his window is closing. Um, but maybe not as fast as, as we would want it to. I agree with you. I don't want to agree with you, but I do. Um, <laughs> that that said, let me just make this one last comment, and then I'll let you take back over, because I, I know that we want to move on. But <clears throat> let me say that there there was an interview, and I'm going to have a post come out on this tomorrow on Redbird Rants. There was an interview that was done. I actually wrote a news piece today about Jordan Hicks and his personnel move, and maybe we can talk about that in a minute. But it was really one of the things that stood out to me, and and I embedded a tweet into it, and the the tweet was by Ortiz. And it's an interview. It's a sound bite, sound clip of Matheny talking about the personnel move. And his whole body language and demeanor was something that, really struck me. Uh, I felt it was very different than what we've seen in the past. And now I sort of hint at it in the post, the news post today, but it was there, there is something markedly different. And while Matheny never has been one to emote very well, just the demeanor, there's something awry and that I'm going to talk about a little bit more in depth uh, tomorrow, but, uh, it just begs the question to me of what it, what message has he received? Right, and I'll I would suggest that anybody listening, you know, definitely be on the lookout for Dr. Miles' post tomorrow on RedRiverGrants.com. Um, and we are actually going to take our first break before we actually get into the uh, the bulk of the St. Louis Cardinals news and other stuff that's going on with the team. So you are listening to the official Redbird Rants podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 3. Stick with us. And welcome back to the official Redbird Rants podcast. I'm Tito. I'm joined by Dr. Miles, my co-editor. And we are going to go ahead and get into the topic of the St. Louis Cardinals, not that we weren't talking about them, but... Let's get into the real meat of what's going on right now with the team, and that is spring training. We all know how the Cardinals have started. They're now 3-3-1. Three, three and one. Um, They tied today, and I just want to kind of quickly go over some of the highlights of today's game and get your reaction on that, Dr. Miles. Um, Ozuna has his first home run. What did you think of that? Man, that thing was amazing. Uh, you know, I've I've seen it tweeted, and I certainly agree. Somebody said that home run is still – it still hasn't landed. And I could believe that it was ama- – I mean, off the bat, you knew. And that made me think back to Albert Pujols and a lot of the home runs that he would smash. Off the bat, you knew that ball was gone. You didn't have to turn and see the ball fly. It just had that sound. And today's home run from Ozuna – had that sound. Additionally, Tito, and I'll, I'll hearken you to go back and look at the video if you didn't watch it today, but watch Ozuna around the bases. There are two things that stood out to me about him rounding the bases, and one of them was a sense of relief that he finally cracked that barrier and now could settle in, and at the same time, a sense of expectation. He knows 
why he is with the St. Louis Cardinals. And that showed in just that body language and, and the way he was running around the bases, there was, I'm relieved that I just hit it, but at the same time, this is what you brought me here for, and I'm delivering. Did you get a chance to watch it today? Yeah, and I and I did see this did see the home run, and there was no doubt about it. And I think I think you do have some some very good interesting points there about the relief and the expectation because there is no doubt why he is here. Um, otherwise, the Cardinals wouldn't have gone after him. He's the linchpin of this offense, and I said it the other you know in a post the other day. Outside of the pitching staff, Ozuna is probably the most important St. Louis Cardinal on the team. And the only reason I say that is because the entire offseason pretty much hinged around whether they were able to get him or Giancarlo Stanton to be their guy. And so uh, to see him have success, it's a great, great feeling, and I'm sure he's uh, never going to forget that. Um, but that's, but that's, that is the expectation at this point. Um, you coming to the St. Louis Cardinals, you're not going to a rebuilding club. You are there to win games, and we need you to perform. And so the expectation is that he's going to have to deliver those types of, of at-bats, and um, it's nice to see that. And so uh, another interesting thing today, Adam Wainwright does get his uh, first start of the season. What did you make of that? Wainwright went two scoreless frames. They weren't the yes. most beautiful scoreless frame. Uh, he did get himself in trouble, which looked like the Adam Wainwright of 2017. But then he did something different. He didn't allow the trouble to drag the rest of the inning. He managed to take the moment, whatever it was, and regroup. And speaking of that, what we saw today was Adam Wainwright actually not taking a moment. You know, in 2017, when Wainwright got in trouble, you always saw this figure of him taking the hat off and walking around the mound and trying to recollect himself in a way to be successful. Today, what we saw instead, and this is something I actually hope that he continues throughout the season, when you get in trouble, get right back on that mound and do what you know to do. And the minute he was doing that today, there was no delay in the positive outcome. He was able to go right back into it. Also of interesting note were some of the comments that Massini said after uh, the contest when he was mentioning there were a couple of times that they noticed with Wainwright that uh, he, he was doing uh, different things with his motion. That was a way of sort of tipping off uh, the other the, the batters and that they're going to work on those things. That's a different statement that we're hearing out of the club than what we heard in, in prior years. And I really do believe that that's the sort of thing that's coming from Mike Maddox. You know, Maddox, a, a great study of pitching. Uh, and not that Lilliquist was bad at all, because I don't, I don't mean to insinuate that. But we, we just have a totally different um, examination of what's going on on the field. Did you notice uh, this, the positive side to Wainwright today? Yeah, and I and I think the positive thing is he didn't he didn't give up any runs, and I think that's the biggest thing I take away from it is that even though he struggled, he was able to get out of the inning. Now, I I'll have to say this, and I'm pretty much saying in every post that you know we have in spring training, 
um, everything is has to be taken with a grain of salt because it's not the regular big league lineup. You know, these are not not all of the bats are MLB caliber bats, but even then, situationally, he was able to persevere. I mean, look at his first inning, double walk, then he gets a double play walk, and then he gets somebody to strike out, and it wasn't just anybody to strike out. It was Vargas, Kenneth Vargas, who is a big leaguer. So he's able to take care of business there. Then the second inning, single. Then he comes with the strikeout. Then he walks somebody. So then he strikes another person out, and then he gets the last guy to pop out. So you see him, you know, get out of certain innings by still being able to pitch. Now, one area of concern I will have, or one thing I think people should watch out for um, later on is uh, what happens uh, or at least what happens if he continues to walk three batters in two innings. Because if there's one thing that we all know is that walks will come back to haunt you um, very easily. And I think that is something uh, to to be concerned about if Wainwright continues to, you know, walk three batters at a time. Um, so, yeah, I saw the positives, but I'm, I'm holding judgment until, you know, a couple more starts to see to, or to actually say, yeah, you know, this is this is a much better Wainwright from last year than uh, than we anticipated. So I, I don't know how you feel about that, but that's that's where I kind of stick with that. Yeah, I, I can see that. And let me say, too, uh, this is I'm actually hearing your voice when I'm making these statements or this following statement. You know, it's the first outing of spring training, and we know that in the first outing for a pitcher, there are particular things that they're focusing on. And I think mm-hmm. that the walk may have been affected by the things that Wainwright was working today. We saw a, a good number of his curveball. And so I I have a feeling that that was a focus for him. And we saw a lot of his cutter or slider. um, And and those things seem to be the two points of focus. Uh, And I think that's very prudent because we know that his fastball has lost a lot of its uh, speed. And perhaps, you know, he's really pushing that into spots, uh, trying to get the control. So knowing or at least assuming that his goal today was to work on the curveball and the cutter or the slider, um, that makes me feel a little bit better about the walk, if in fact that was the case. And I I just think that we have to take, like you said, a grain of salt with the spring training and certainly recognizing the first start or couple starts for pitchers. They are absolutely working on particular things. What else? And and I think the – yeah, and I just wanted to quickly, you know, harp on that real quick. I mean, the case in point is Jack Flaherty has, you know, perfect two innings, his first start, then gets lit up for four earned runs uh, thanks to a Manny Machado grand slam yesterday. Or, uh, yeah, it was yesterday. So, you know, does that mean Flaherty is a terrible pitcher? No. It's just he, you know, that he might have been working on something or getting his trying to get his fastball uh, across the plate, and unfortunately, he's throwing a to throwing his fastball to a very good, you know, fastball hitter in Manny Machado. So, uh, sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. What was your other question? I was just going to say, what else from today's contest stood out? Because, and I'm I'm always interested to hear the things that you pull from a spring training start, uh, because you know you really only see the starters, uh, the regular starters. 
appear in like the first two to three innings. And then it's young guys who I find a lot of interest in, but I, I know that there's potentially less to learn uh, long range from the guys that we see in innings five, six, and beyond. So what else stood out to you? In, in today's game? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I'm, I was glad to see Tyler Lyons get in the game. I think that really um, makes a difference for him. Um, I want him to 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 be able to get some work in. Um, Ryan Helsley getting in the game is is nice after kind of getting having a rough outing his first time. It was nice to see him uh, pitch well and, and get people out and, and showing a little bit more of what he can do because as you and I both know, he his name has been tossed around as a potential closer for the St. Louis Cardinals. You know, uh, early you know as early as this year, but maybe for the future. Um, and so that was definitely nice to see him do that. Um, uh, and then he got in a little bit of trouble, right? Uh, so it, it's interesting to see how that ends up, uh, you know, going. Um, but Tyler Lyons and, and Ryan Helsley is probably, uh, you know, one of my, you know, favorite things to see out of that. Um, I'm not so keen on Josh Lucas. So I'm not really too 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 worried about that. Um, Connor Green is another interesting name. You know, this is what that was his third appearance this spring. So they're really giving him a good long look, and I particularly find that interesting because you know he is somebody. You know that you know I think people need to remember or remind themselves that he is somebody that we got in uh, a trade, and so I think. Him getting so many looks early on uh, definitely piques my interest in terms of what are the plans for him. Are they trying to get a good look to see where he should start in the minors, or are they giving him opportunities to pitch to see if another team comes calling and say, hey, what about that Connor Green kid? Uh, What do you think about that? You know, I am so glad you asked that question because I was actually going to ask you that question. my gut tells me it's the latter. My my gut tells me that the Cardinals are giving a lot of exposure for, for Green in hopes that there's value there so he can be used in a, in a trade. Uh, that being said, it wouldn't surprise me if they're giving a lot of looks at him because they just don't have a lot on him. And, and there's not a lot that we know about him since he wasn't in our farm system. And, you know, maybe our organization is is less keen on accepting the reports that we got out of the trade, you know, and we're just trying to see what really is there. Uh, so that I find interesting. I think he is definitely a name to watch. Um, one thing that stood out to me, and I think it was today, uh, was it today or was it yesterday that Ponce de Leon had a really rough outing? It, was, it wasn't today. It, was, it definitely would have been the other day. Okay, so it was yesterday. Uh, and what stood out to me about that, and by the way, Daniel Ponce de Leon is somebody who has become one of my absolute favorite Cardinals of all time. What a great story. Uh, he's become one of my favorites simply because he agreed to an interview that I got to do with him. And what a great guy. I mean, just overall great guy. Um, you know, I like him in very much the same way that I like Jose Martinez. Both of them, when I got to interview them, just the greatest guys, really down to earth. 
And uh, Ponce de Leon has a lot to fight for and is typically and regularly doing a really nice job. And the storyline on him when he made his first appearance in spring was what a great comeback story after having been taken out of the game for the entirety of last season when the comebacker uh, made contact with his temple. And the idea was that Ponce de Leon really knocked on death's door, and once he came back, it was an issue of could he walk again, could he throw again, and he defeated all of those barriers. So in that first outing, it was just the comeback story, and he certainly filled the outing with his adrenaline. Then when he got lit up yesterday, the adrenaline was gone. And so it was a question of, you know, can you go back to what you know and really use that to, to pitch? And let me say, I, I don't mean that to disparage him at all, because I have watched Ponce de Leon pitch in Memphis. He's got great stuff. I just think that what we saw in the lighting up yesterday was the idea of sort of a, a sophomore slump and of his second start, or not start, his second appearance. So that, that jumped out to me. And then what jumped out to me from today's game was the appearance of Ryan Sheriff. Sheriff is also a name that the Cardinals should 100% look at as a potential closer. And I wrote an article about Sheriff earlier uh, in the, in the off season. And the man has got one of the most knockout sliders you will ever see. And it is so undervalued and nobody's talking about it, but it is a swing and miss slider. You got to see that a couple times today. Not a whole lot, because that doesn't seem to be what he was working on today. But Sheriff came in, and he really was the new sheriff in town. Shut things down today. Had a strong inning. Uh, I had to pull up the stats to see what he did. But it was, in watching it, I was just really impressed with seeing him there. Yeah, and I, you know, I... I want to get into a discussion of the bullpen here in a little bit because of a particular pitcher that the Cardinals um, are, are have been seeing success with. Um, but with Sheriff, I, you know, I just find it I find it hard that to believe that he's going to make the big league roster coming out of big spring training just because I think there are already I think the bullpen is pretty much set at this point. And I've said that a couple times already on uh, earlier podcasts. So we'll get into that here in a second. Um, I, I want to take another quick break um, just so we can get into uh, a couple more discussions before, you know, our one hour is up and it feels like it's already flying by. So uh, just give us a quick second. We'll be right back. You're listening to the official Redbird Rants podcast, season two, episode three. Stick with us. Okay, we're back with episode three. I'm Tito, and I'm joined by Dr. Michael Miles, Redbird Rants. And I want to get into the surprises, maybe the letdowns of spring training so far. And then we'll get into a couple of players that, you know, are going to be making some debuts here later this week and in going into the weekend. So, so Dr. Miles, let's start with you in this one and, and give me your spring training surprises thus far. Well, one of them you actually wrote a piece on, and that is the return 
or rather the delay of Matt Carpenter. And by all indications, we know or at least think that he is to return to action this week, so probably tomorrow. And one of the reasons that that is such a surprise is that it's not a surprise. And I know that sounds so silly, but Carpenter, he hasn't always been the healthiest of players. Now, he's not made of glass like, say, Dexter Fowler or Tommy Pham, but the the delay of him coming into action has been interesting. And let me say, I don't want to say that I think we've been lied to, but I don't entirely buy it that it was due to injury. Um, Carpenter shows up to spring training early anyway, and I think he stays in in great shape and it, it comes ready to go. Back stiffness is such a blanket non-specific, you know, quote-unquote injury that kept him out of action. I think it was more to do with seeing Luke Voigt, Jose Martinez, even Patrick Wisdom, and giving them a chance without saying we are holding back Carpenter so that we can see these other people. I don't really – I don't want to go into great detail about you know, why that would be the case or why it wouldn't be the case. But that, that strikes me as interesting. Equally so, it struck me as interesting that it took us until today for Jed Jerko to get into action. Um, the, and also Paul DeYoung. We haven't seen Paul DeYoung yet, although he's making the start tomorrow. And our good friend Dan Campbell will be there to watch that. He's rubbed our noses in that. And good for him. We're glad to have coverage down there, but we all hate him for being able to go to sunny, warm Florida and watch a Cardinals play. That said, what what, I, what strikes me as the biggest surprise here is that the timetable for getting players into activity. With the likes of Carpenter, who we know dealt with exhaustion uh, maybe last season, if I may be mistaken, it could have been 2016. But remember that he was dehydrated dealt with exhaustion because he played so hard. Uh, You know, Jerko's advanced age uh, and then DeYoung's youth, I think all of those things are reasons to delay their start. Now, very much in the manner of the St. Louis Cardinals organization, the cards do not show their cards. You know, they they typically uh, use subterfuge, and that seems to be very much the case. In all of this, so that's my biggest surprise is just the handling of players thus far through spring training, and I think that will continue to be a surprise for me. What stood out to you as your biggest surprise? If I had to sum up the spring training surprise into two words, it would be youth movement. I can't say enough about the young players of the St. Louis Cardinals making a really, really good impression so far in spring training. I mean, think of the names that we've been we've been hearing about. Jose Adoles Garcia, uh, Yairo Muñoz, uh, Muñoz, uh, Muñoz yesterday, uh, John Gant for all the, you know, for all intents and purposes. You know, the, those guys right. 
are are making a, a case to be on the big league team, and nobody even really considered them part of the right. big league team going into opening day. And so that is my biggest surprise is to see these guys competing. Now, I'm not saying that they are bad. I'm just saying good for them. Good for them to make it hard. I mean, think about what John Gant has done. And, and I wrote a piece on him today um, about, you know, how he is just taking all his opportunities and running away with it. I mean, yesterday he, what, pitched three innings, seven strikeouts. I mean, that's, yeah. that's really good. I mean, that that's nothing to sneeze at. And, and to see him do that and, and the way I put it was is that all this hype around Flaherty while we all have our eyes focused on him, the more John Gant continues to pitch that way, the more our heads start to turn towards him and say, "Huh, what do you have, or what do you, what can you do for me?" And so, it's seeing these young players take opportunities to uh, to make an impression on the big league uh, squad. It, it's just going to make the Cardinals that much better in the long run, and, and that's great. That's the good news for St. Louis Cardinals fans. Now, uh, one of the letdowns of the youth movement is is that now you have too much of a good thing. And, and as right. sometimes we say, you know, you can never have too much of a good thing. Like the only thing you can really have too too much and be okay with is pitching. But look at all those outfielders that they've been trotting out there. A Rosarena, O'Neill, Garcia. Munoz is one of them. I mean, those are guys that are going to be big leaguers sometime in the future. But the Cardinals are locked up in that future outfield for a really long time right now. I mean, Dexter Fowler's not going anywhere. Tommy Pham's probably not going anywhere. Uh, you know, Marcelo Zuna, although he has two years on his contract, I don't really foresee him uh, going anywhere else. I think he's going to really enjoy St. Louis and, and stick in St. Louis for a long time. And if he doesn't, okay. But the Cardinals have a lot of different players looking to make the team, and none of them are named, or you know, the fourth outfield spot, and none of them are named Harrison Bader because he, I mean, although he's gotten better over the last couple of days, there really hasn't been that much on him. And everybody's singing the praises of, you know, Garcia, Arena, and, and Co. So this, you know, this youth movement, while it, it does create competition inside the team, it also makes you wonder what the Cardinals are actually going to do. Uh, so what do you think of that, Dr. Miles? Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you talked about the youth. Um, there's one, one name. Well, actually, there's three names in the youth that have my attention. Uh, Rosarino is one. <clears throat> Munoz is the other. And then one you haven't really made a whole lot of mention to is Oscar Mercado. Oscar Mercado in the first or second spring training game played right field. And he made a running catch over his shoulder and he made it look effortless. Mercado is in 2017 played center field for Springfield. So he's got the range and he's got the speed, but he made it look like it was so easy. And I remember I remarked to my father, you know, we don't know what role 
the Cardinals have for um, Willie McGee. And I always said I didn't know what it was until I watched Oscar Mercado make that play in right field. Mercado is a, a small, thin, lanky player. And I commented to my father, I said, oh, my gosh, that is Willie McGee in right field. And then Mercado getting these slap hits and putting on the speed. And I, I'm going to pull him up, but I, I believe he's had three stolen bases in and of himself. Uh, and I feel like the Cardinals have somewhere in the neighborhood of nine or ten stolen bases overall in spring thus far. We've only made it through the first week. If McGee can convince Matheny to turn on the wheel and they put these long-legged guys like Mercado and uh, even a Rosarena's pretty daggum tall, you know, if they put these guys in there, man, what a different look this club is going to have. And, yeah, Mar- um, Mercado has uh, three stolen bases this spring already. Already? I mean, that's just amazing. I think it's at least one stolen base for every appearance. I think he's appeared in three games. Yes. I, yeah, so one stolen base in every appearance he has had. Uh, and, and to that, you know, I am glad to see uh, if it's Schilt, if Kendo, if it's Maddox, if it's I don't care who, if it's Matheny's grandmother from the grave. It, it, somebody is telling him to let the batters hold the bat a little longer and let these guys run, and that's pretty good. Now, let me say about letdowns. I agree with you that having too many of the young guys is, gonna, is going to make a, a problem, but at the same time, I think that that is actually going to help us come July or prior to July. Um, knowing that you have these people to back it up, you can allow people like Fowler and Sam to play hard the whole way, and if they get injured, you've got plenty that can come and back them up. But my biggest letdown, there's two names that really sort of let me down, and and one is Harrison Bader. For all the hype that he had, he's not living up to it. And I don't know that's necessarily his fault or a fault of the hype being too high. The other name that's disappointing and let down to me is Tyler O'Neill. I mean, the dude is jacked. He came to spring training, and I don't know how he can even buckle his pants because his arms can't <laughs> go down. You know, the, the biceps are so large that he is his own flotation device. Um, that being said, we haven't seen him do very much. And he, I really wanted him to be great, and I'm concerned, and I know this is going to hurt Josh's feelings. But I'm really concerned that O'Neill is just Randall Gritchick 2.0. Those are my letdowns. Yeah, and and I think that was the con- I shouldn't say consensus, but I think that was the kind of the mo on O'Neill once we got him that he was a very you know power heavy guy, not a lot of contact, and I it, it's tough because I want him to succeed as well. And I want Harrison Bader to obviously succeed as well. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, one of the things that the Cardinals pretty much touted all off season was that we have all this outfield depth that maybe it really doesn't even matter who the fourth outfielder is. Um, 
in terms of whether he's, you know, young or not. I mean, would you be okay with Jose Adolis uh, Garcia being the fourth outfielder at this point? Yeah, I, I don't have yeah. a problem with that. Yeah, and I, and I think a lot of people wouldn't have a problem with that. And sure, you'd probably like to see him get some more bats at, at AAA and whatnot. But based on what he's been able to do, um, you know, he looks really good. And he's a young 24, 25-year-old outfielder who's got plenty of range, and he's got a good arm as well. And you can obviously see he has power. You know, that's something that's that that you can't really – that you can't really find elsewhere. And so, to you know, because Vader doesn't have that kind of power that uh, Garcia has. Um, and O'Neill doesn't have the ability to hit for contact like Garcia has or Vader has. Right. And so, right. It, it, you know, there's some gifts and takes to all of these outfielders. Um, it's just how they're going to mix and match with the ones they already have in the starting outfield for the big league club. And, you know, I still think Harrison Bader is going to be the fourth outfielder. But based based on the way that a Rosarena, Mercado, and uh, Garcia have played, you never know, man. You, you, we could see, uh, you know, Garcia be the fourth outfielder, and maybe that's how it should be. It should be a straight competition. And I mentioned it in our last podcast that, you know, the battle for the fourth outfield spot might be the biggest competition or the most entertaining one for the St. Louis Cardinals this, this spring training. As far as my letdown so far of spring training, um, shoot. I would say, I would say the, the biggest letdown for me right now is I will, I think the biggest letdown for me right now is, is that our starting pitching I actually let me rephrase that. I think the biggest letdown right now to me is Carlos Martinez. Um and the reason I say that the the reason I say that is because he he's our ace and he looked really really flat his first outing. I mean, really flat. And it reminded me of some of the inconsistencies that he had in uh, in the in last year. And I, I wrote on one of my what to watch for pieces about when I got to Carlos Martinez was I need to see him be able to put those first three innings behind him quickly and then worry about four, five, and six, innings four, five, and six. And, and it just seems like he's just he's, – he's there, but he's not. So I, I don't know. What do you think of me saying that Martinez is my biggest letdown? Uh, I would probably argue with you just on the basis of you've only seen him once. And Yeah, I, I mean, and, know. and that's, that's tough because it, every, all the starters have really only gone once besides uh, Jack Flaherty. Right. And, and to that point, we know that Martinez is incredibly mercurial. We also know that his hairstyle can completely affect his pitching ability. So <laughs> it, it can 100% be that he didn't get to look at enough porn on his cell phone that day. It <laughs> could be that 
he didn't have the right extensions in that day, you know. And, and by the way, I think those are very poor characteristics of a of a number one as an ace. But at the same time, I can't even really argue that because you got to think of the likes of Kurt Schilling and his antics. I mean, you even think of John Lester and his antics or, you know, I mean, these guys are weird people, period. Um, I, I wanted to say something about the letdown of the youth movement that I, I failed to mention, and, and that is I don't know that the logjam this year is going to be so intensely felt at the major league level as it was last season. I think it's going to be no. intensely felt at the, triple, at the AAA level. I, I think so, too, uh, and the reason why it's not going to be felt at the major league level is because realistically, are all of those guys ready to be major league players? No, and we know that. Right. Mainly the ones that are the closest are, prob- you know, are Harrison Bader and Tyler O'Neill. Everybody else is, what, maybe a year away, maybe a year and a half yeah, away. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So, so I, I completely understand where you're coming from on that regard. As in terms of the youth movement in the in the minor leagues and how that affects, yes, I completely understand that too. However, at that point, you you have to, as an organization, determine who are your guys for the future and who can you move yes. in order to secure yes. other players. Because at some point, yeah, you cannot – yeah, go ahead. I was going to say that's exactly the point I was going to make. Uh, I don't, in my gut, believe that Harrison Bader needs to be your fourth outfielder. And the only reason I say that, I get it that he has nowhere else to go in AAA. He's already shown abilities in AAA. Mm-hmm. I think your fourth outfielder, at least through May, is going to be the – I-55 shuttle. And I think you're going yeah. to see the club, the club show Harrison Bader for a couple of outings as the fourth outfielder to come off the bench, to take a couple pinch hits, to maybe pinch run, all those different scenarios. Then I think you're going to get to see some of, names, some of these names that you and I have already mentioned, you know, that they're going to ride the shuttle and go up to St. Louis and – and be able to show what they've got. Because ultimately, I think the club is going to have to ask themselves, who stays into 2017 or 2018 and who departs in 2018? And how are they going to showcase that those departing talents? And how are they going to protect those who they want to keep? Yeah, and, and what I was going to say is, is that you as an organization have to make that determination of, of what you're going to do with certain pieces because you can't keep all of them. It's just not possible. Uh, let me rephrase that. You can't keep all of them and not expect people to come knocking and say, hey, what if we offered this person for that so to help you guys out in the short term so we can have success long term? So I'm coming full circle here. So <laughs> I, 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 I like it. I- I mean, it just makes sense to me. I think that's that's where the Cardinals find themselves, and there's nothing wrong with that. I just think in terms of the youth movement, it is a good thing for the Cardinals to have at this point, um, but they need to navigate the waters very carefully in order to uh, to be successful as a club 
and not create another log jam in the outfield um, in the next two to three years, essentially. So, you know, that's that's something to to definitely look out for. So, I think we are out of time, Dr. Miles. I want to thank you for jumping on the conversation with me tonight. And I want to thank you to all of our listeners who are paying, uh, uh, kind of ringing in today and listening to us. And we appreciate anybody that reads our stuff on redbirdbrands.com. I do want to give a quick shout out to uh, our own Josh McDonald for getting our Instagram going. He's doing some really yeah. great stuff on there. Um, please, please, please follow the Redbird Rants Instagram page. You can find that on Twitter or you can find that on Facebook. Um, but kudos to Josh on the great work that he's done. And I'm sure, Dr. Miles, if you want to take some time to say uh, a couple of things on that as well. Yeah, I would like to. And I'm so glad you mentioned that. I, I meant to send you a message and remind you to say something. Yet I was so thrilled when Josh approached uh, I know you and, and then approached me as well. Just so thrilled to be able to, to expand our offerings to yet another platform. And what an outstanding way. Uh, this is helping Josh in the long run, and that's you know something I'm very proud uh, that we do at Redbird Rants is a lot of people do use Redbird Rants to uh, springboard into something greater and, and really find something that they're passionate about, that they enjoy doing, and that they can do long term. And I have to tell you, the, the work that Josh does uh, inside of Photoshop and making some really outstanding images, really spurring conversations and questions in a very creative way. Uh, it, it's just adding such an incredible depth to what we do at Redbird Rants. So we're not just a blog site. Uh, we're not certainly not just a blog site that gives opinions. Uh, sometimes people don't like that. But we're also a blog site that now has a podcast and now has you know, an Instagram presence. And that's just a really outstanding thing. And, and like you said, kudos to Josh for the hard work, the creative juices that he's putting into that. And um, really glad that, that we can be a, a part of that. Yes, absolutely. So uh, once again, thanks everybody for listening. For Dr. Miles, I'm Tito. Uh, thank you for listening to the official Redbird Rants podcast, episode three. We'll catch you next time, next Thursday at 9 p.m. Central Time, and hopefully we'll have another good round discussion of what's going on with the St. Louis Cardinals. But until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>